This is the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to episode 124 of the drive-in podcast on today's episode we have the checkup with yours truly dr o along with our recap for the season finale of season three of the boys to use the bathroom now grab that popcorn and enjoy episode 124 of the drive-in podcast Howdy doody, welcome to episode 124 of TDI. This is Dr. O on the horn, sweating my butt off right now. It is a hot one, Ricky Flex. We are not, we are on an extreme like heat wave in the Northeast right now. I think the whole nation's feeling it right now. I have I certainly have a cold right now, but uh, I had to postpone our, our recording last night and push it to um Wednesday night for a Thursday drop, but Man, I'm feeling it right now. I don't think there's anything worse, Ricky Flicks, than being sick in the summer. Sick in the summer. Hello, Dr. O. Good to talk to you again. Sick in the summer. Welcome. Like the summer is my favorite season. My birthday is my birthday season. It's the best season, in my opinion. And if you're sick during the best season, especially during this great weather that we're having here in the Northeast, I feel sorry for you. But... I will say though, that gives you really gives you the option. You get to watch more movies and stream more content. So it's kind of a win-win, even though it's a lose. I've been like trying to nap as much as possible, but I also I'll turn on a movie, watch like the first thirty minutes, fall asleep, watch the last thirty minutes. Dude, I was so weird yesterday. I like I because like when you're sick in the summer, like it's just there's something just unorthodox about it. Because you don't expect to get sick in the summer. Usually, when do you have a cold? It's when you're not warm enough. Okay. Uh, so here, I just been I've been chugging Propel. Right, the one that like Propel, the, the, Propel has like the immunity. Like, have you seen those immune? Those are, like like they it's almost medicine. Have you seen those type of bottles? Well, like, I I've had Propel. I'm not a big Propel guy. I, have, I will say I have a bottle right here. Immune support literally says that on the bottle immune support it was recommended to me i drank three of these today i felt lighter on my feet almost automatically i had to leave work today i had to leave work early today and i'm still podcasting hopefully they don't see that i'm podcasting but or they don't hear this recording but i had I'm, i'm so out of whack right now i had to leave work but last night i didn't know if i was gonna work go to work this morning i started to watch toy story 3 I watched the first 10 minutes of it, fell asleep, watched the last 30 minutes. And then I was like, I really wish I started with Toy Story 2. And then I went to Toy Story 2 and I watched the first 10 minutes. And then I ended on the scene where Jesse is like, uh, is really the really sad scene where the girl's singing, mm. right? Once I think it won an Oscar for that song. It was nominated. But Jesse, how she lost her, like uh, the person who owned her, right? Yeah. Her Andy, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. I did think when you said greatest trilogies of all time, the first 
trilogy that came to my mind was Toy Story, even though it's not a trilogy anymore. So you can't even say that. I think uh, over time, people are just going to forget about Toy Story 4. You know, I feel like that's sure. going to happen. I haven't rewatched it since the theater. It's almost like American Pie, the original trilogy. No one thinks of American Reunion. Yeah, you're right. You don't. Not that's, really. That, not even a trilogy anymore either. Damn. I think you mentioned that on the pod too about a trilogy. I just didn't even like correct you because I just totally forgot about American Reunion. Oh, man. I I, I, I I was raised on those movies. Raised on those movies. But Richie Flex. Oh, go ahead. I don't Sorry. think American Wedding is that bad. I think it's so. What do you mean that bad? It's arguably people, the best. I people, love American. People Wedding. hate on American Wedding. Yeah, those people are clowns. Those are absolute lunatics. American Weddings might be the funniest out of the three. Might be the funniest I, out of the three. I, I said I, that. It, American I Pie Two might be my favorite. The first American Pie is just a classic. Everyone's like, everyone's seen that it's movie. It's the best it's film. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most rewatchability is probably American Pie Two. But the funniest one, I probably would say the American Wedding. Uh, yeah, I kind of, I like, I kind of look at it as like American uh, Anchorman and Anchorman Two, where like Anchorman is a better movie, I think. But like Anchorman Two, I think that, I think some of the laugh, like uh, the most laughs I had, or the hardest laughs, were in Anchorman Two, not Anchorman. And I think it's the same thing in American Pie and American Wedding, and American Pie Two versus American Pie. You know what I mean? Like I had harder laughs in the sequel and trilogy, a third one. Than the I first think one. it's also it's also just a shame the way those movies have aged. It's just like people look at those jokes and like the woke people in 2022 will point at it and say, "Oh my god!" Like I can't believe this they allowed this to fly. They're gonna take down the statue of Steve Stifler, right? And uh, in the in Lake well, Michigan, the, next is gonna the, be McLovin and those guys. Unfair unfair different time period and steve stiffler i don't think got enough do he didn't really get his due for being an all-time comedic supporting character he really is all time that, that's a top billing that we should do comedic like side characters or like comedic, yeah, comedic characters relief. in general yeah comedic supporting characters he would be yeah. on there uh so uh before we go into the checkup today we go into movie and tv news we have the emmys coming up we have the nominations that dropped yesterday or dropped um, Tuesday. We're recording Wednesday night. Uh, we're, are we watching any TV right now, Ricky Flex? You watching any movies? What can you catch us up on? When do we have the Euphoria conversation? Last episode. Yeah. So that's, I'm I'm still watching True Detective. I'm not. I didn't switch to Euphoria yet. But that will be the first show. I'm assuming that I will go to. But yeah, True Detective going well. I just finished season two of Euphoria. You, wow, you zipped through that in two days. Yo, season two is better. Season two is better. Is, is there only two seasons or is there a third? There's only two right now. Season three, I believe, is on its way. I'm still a little skeptical of some of the writing in this show. Um, they're short episodes they, too, right? Like 25 see, minutes, 30? No. Like they're they're an hour and you zipped through that much. Yeah, dude. I, I get home from work. I was sick the last two days. I was lying down in the middle of the day, cranking out Euphoria. Um, I like Zendaya is all deserving for a nomination. Like, I don't think it's really should be a dispute whatsoever after watching that second season. There is one, uh, a, uh, oh, there's one episode where I, it's like the most amazing TV acting I think I've ever seen. Wow. Where it's 
really where she obviously she plays a drug addict who needs to find these drugs. Like she, all of a sudden her mom has taken away these drugs. She's played flush these drugs down the toilet. She goes insane. I won't spoil anything else, but it leads to this wild, wild and chaotic sequence of events. And then the, the finale, this two part finale that includes, I think some amazing acting from like Judd Apatow's daughter, who's a mod Apatow. And she has a, a, she in season two, her, role increases even more i thought like i wouldn't be surprised if she was going to get a nomination after watching the two-part finale because she really shines through alongside zendaya i don't know what they're going to do for season three I don't, i'm not going to give any more details i know i i can tell you're going to watch it but uh i mean i can see all these people eventually being marvel superheroes they're, they're all just going to be there Zendaya's already there jacob lord is going to be in the x-men uh sydney sweeney's already going to be in uh madam webb Right. Oh, so that, just, you, yeah. It reminds me when you said X Men. So, Miss Marvel just had their season finale. Yep. Just found that out today. I think so, Brie Larson was in it. Yeah, I think she was too. I thought I saw a still of her in it, and like there was some X Men cameo with X Men '97 music. What? Um, yeah, and I didn't know. Did who I just watch the was. finale. I'm I'm probably gonna just watch, uh, read a spoiler recap of it. I'm still not going to watch it, even with the X-Men 97 theme music to it. X-Men 97 has me tempted, dude. Has me tempted. But uh, I just want to wrap up with Euphoria saying, like, Sydney Sweeney got a nomination. The reason she got a nomination is because she can cry on command. She cries so much in the show. I would say 75% of the scenes where you see her face, there are tears coming down. 75%. Just that's like snap I, her fingers, start crying. That's another thing I wanted to bring up on this show. I don't know if acting's getting better or we've just overhyped, like crying on command. Oh, I think we're overhyping it. I yeah, because like at the Twitter. Bo- in the boys, they do it immediately every time. Because in every single show, I feel like everyone cries on command now. There's like a, it's pretty much like what I would also say about Euphoria. Like there are some like you know like those moments when you're watching like that's gonna be like remembered for a long time. Like that's gonna like it's almost like when you look watch a movie. You're watching a Leo movie or a McConaughey movie mm. or like or like or Dallas Buyers Club. You can pick out like, oh, that's the moment they're gonna show when he when McConaughey gets the Oscar. Or like in a Leo movie, like when they when the nominations come out, that's the scene they're gonna show. Like Euphoria, there are so many moments in the second season that you can pinpoint a lot of them. Like like Sydney Sweeney in the bathroom is a very common one where she's like trying to smile and then she's crying in another different scene. Oh, that's the meme, yeah. And then like Zendaya when she's like sitting on the stairs when they're having an intervention, like like you really pinpoint. <coughs> oh no, you can pinpoint all these like singular moments. Like wow, that is like it's not just something I had to put my phone down. Like I was like trying not to. I was acting like I didn't care what was going on. But then I had to like be like, oh my god, they're kind of going off right now, and then I would lock back into the show, mm. you know. Mm. Yes, I understand. Um, let's get to the checkup. First off, uh, we got to pay some respects here, Ricky Flex. We have two legends that passed away since our last checkup, and we didn't get to pay homage, and we're going to do so right now. We're uh, we have to say rest in peace to the one and only James Khan. Right, legendary actor who passed away at the age of 82, along with legendary TV actor, right, Tony Sirico, uh, most widely known for his work in The Sopranos as Polly Walnuts. Also, right, had a small supporting role in Goodfellas, real life gangster turned gangster movie star, TV star. Uh, this comes after the death of Ray Liotta, 
a couple a uh, month and a half ago, two months ago. So we've had now three legendary gangster entertainers now have passed away in a short period of time. Um, I guess we could start out with um, some James Khan here, Ricky Flicks. What's your relationship to Khan? Did you watch many of his movies? Well, I think that everyone listening probably knows him from Sonny Corleone, um, Godfather. Obviously, this is a tough one, and he was so much more than Sonny Corleone. Like he's like Michael Mann's thief, right? Uh, Misery, nineteen ninety, nominated for an Oscar, I think, for that. Kathy Bates won. Uh, in that movie, from that movie, um, what else? Like he, like Elf. I think Elf. I think is another one that people would recognize him in. Now, I think he's like more than just the Godfather, Sonny Corleone, and Elf. But I think that it's a it's a big loss. You could feel it on uh, film Twitter how like important he was. Yet it didn't seem like he was like this is gonna be sad, but like relevant because like he was so sick and he was like in a wheelchair. Um, he just hasn't been in any movies in I don't know how long. Like, yeah, he actually wasn't now looking at his IMDb. He was in a couple movies in, in the recent years, but like just none that are mainstream or anything. Like, I'm just looking down his IMDb. I think the I'm looking at right now as well. Like, I think that's my boy. Oh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. Like, that's like the last one in 2013 that I recognize. And then he has like 15 going up to 2022 here. So it's just like, he hasn't really been in the mainstream at all. And in the 21st century, really. So like people just don't really know him, but like, he's like an icon of icons or like, really he's on that tier. And it's just very sad to see. And um, I was going to say one more thing with James Khan is that like, I think Scott Khan son, right? Like I know him from Hawaii five Oh and oceans. And who I have oh, like entourage? Come on, Rick. Entourage, yeah, but like that's not other than his oceans. Show. That's the most widely thing. That's yeah, the, I would like, say so, but like who I have oh, like most widely seen piece of entertainment. Like who I have oh, that was like a double, like over ten seasons, and he's Dano. Like he, that's a that's huge. I know cable. Like you think, oh, like Boomer, but like cable's still huge. And like who I have oh, is a big show on CBS uh, Sunday nights or whatever. So like that's what I think of too. He's probably he's definitely hurting right now. But uh, definitely thinking of him as well uh, and their family and everything. So I, I don't have the strongest relationship to James Caan and the, his whole list of filmography. But what I think of is obviously The Godfather. And he is probably my favorite character in The Godfather. It's not Pacino. It's not Brando. It's the, the biggest badass in The Godfather is Sonny Corleone. All right. He's the guy you didn't want to mess with. Right. I always thought like, okay, he could have been right. The next person, the next man up, the next Don coming after Marlon Brando. He had the screen presence in that movie that couldn't be matched by anybody. His bravado, maybe only matched by like the cockiness of a Marlon Brando. Like everyone else was not on like Sonny's level. And then like, obviously has like the iconic moments and like, uh, like, like the tough guy sticking up for his sister, but then also like has the, tragic death the most tragic death probably in the godfather uh gets referred to in the sequel doesn't live past the first one but i've seen him in so many times so many times beating up talia shire's husband on thanksgiving 
it's a, it's a ritual where I'm watching this time and time again, where I can see him look like a badass, but we can see 1972. He's clearly missing some of those punches, not the best effects or uh, visuals compared to what we have Crazy. today. Uh, but I also think of Brian song, Brian song, oh, yeah. came out Brian song a year before the Godfather. And I watched that in school. Uh, Mr. Collins, my English teacher, uh, was a huge fan of that movie. We read the book, Brian's Song. We watched the movie. Great story of Brian Piccolo, Gail Sayers' relationship. Moving along, like Rollerball is a, is a, is a big movie in this filmography. I know if you were uh, growing up in the 70s, like Rollerball meant a lot. They tried to remake that movie all to not very much success. Uh, I also, like I was looking at filmography here. He was in the Get Smart TV show. I, I've right? seen a bunch of those episodes, but, but I don't remember seeing him. So he was in this TV show, but it makes later on his filmography. He plays the president in the Get Smart movie. Yeah, connects. So, so it's like it comes full circle a little bit there. I uh, forgot to say the program. I was also the program also the great. Um, I also I was also going to just list one more movie, like and I'll throw it back to you, Bottle Rocket. Like he he was he worked with uh, Wes Anderson. First Wes Anderson movie. He was they got James Caan to be in Bottle Rocket. That's kind of nuts, no? Yeah, and that was the Wilson Brothers' first movie, I think, or first like feature film. Oh yeah, yeah, they grew up together. Them not so. not, not uh, uh what's his face? Not Scott, not James Caan, but right. you know, but yeah. it's like it's just like how did James Caan find his way into that movie? Maybe he saw something in Wes Anderson so early on that maybe other people did not see. So it's kind interesting too, though, because like in most of his roles, like Sonny Corleone, like Gangster, uh, the program, football coach, uh, Elf, Hardo, like he's just always like that masculine presence, like like always like de not demeaning, but like angry a little bit. Um, if you like catch my drift here, but like then he has like and oh, and Thief, Michael Mann, like like he has an anger problem, you know. Yeah, he always exactly. has an anger problem. Yeah, you know, he's him. very he's very good at that. Like the yards I'm looking at here, like Michael or the Mark Wahlberg movie. I'm like, oh, like that makes sense. He's always got a snarl on his face, you know. Yes. He's always pissed off. Exactly. He like he might be like the best, one of the best, if not the best, like actor to ever do that. And just like you said, this your his presence on the screen, you felt that anger, you felt that masculinity on the screen. And uh, like you said, you said you used the word bravado. I like that too. So uh -huh. definitely will be missed an icon, and not not to transition because I know this is the checkup with Doctor Rowe. But man, when I saw Paulie Walnuts died, I sent you like all caps texts saying like I I, I couldn't believe it. I just I you said the all caps saying tweet this from the account now. That's what you said. I I didn't I no service whatsoever, but um. I was just like, holy crap. Like James Conn, like he in the wheelchair, like did a lot of like not to disrespect the man, did a lot of cocaine uh um in his in his heyday, like was not doing great now. You definitely could see it. But Paulie Walnuts, like, I don't know what was going on, but like did not see that coming. Uh he was living in a in a in a, in a home. Okay. He wasn't living on his own, so he wasn't in the best of health, probably. But uh I, like he's probably other than Tony Soprano, he's pretty much the most even with Tony Soprano, probably the most beloved character on the Sopranos, right? Where I would it's say, like because that's the most beloved. That show is rich with supporting characters. Tony is the early on anti hero, 
and is like the first like a pioneer when it comes to anti-hero type of characters like that eventually comes with like Peaky Blinders and um, uh, Breaking Bad shows like that. But so like he was like Tony is kind of like polarizing a little bit. It's obviously wonderful acting from James Gandolfini. Right. But at the same time, like who was just someone that everyone wanted to hear from and who who in the show consistently made you laugh? It was Tony Sirico as Paulie Walnuts. Like to me, that, that was uh he was that guy. And then Silvio is probably number two, but Silvio, he just wasn't as true of a gangster. He wasn't as believable. Steven Van Zant isn't as much of a believable gangster because Tony Sirico was a gangster. He was a gangster. And really, like the he's got some legendary stories that he's attached with. I think he was involved a little bit. He was a bouncer at different bars. He was a true gangster, stealing money. And then he also he also uh was in porn. Like, he, like he's done a but he's done it all. Like he he's kind of a he's just an OG and uh someone that took an unorthodox route to fame, but uh he made it there and most beloved sh- character in one of the greatest shows ever made. Yeah, no, I think he is the most beloved character in that show. I, I think you said like Tony Spurn is a little polarizing, anti-hero of the show, main character, definitely like with his family, like annoying at times. I think that helps with the family, but like Paulie was just like everyone loved him, no matter what. And then iconic finger point, hey, like every, I, I love Paulie. Hey, um, and I think he summed it up really well. Just did not see that coming. Obviously, in a home, like definitely, if you didn't know about it, but I just didn't know about it. It was great to see like all those moments pop up, like pop back on Twitter of his best moments in the show. Like we all know, like the Pine Barrens episode, like where he talked about the Czechoslovakians and everything like that, but seeing those other moments where it's just like the mannerisms and then also like where he tells the joke at the dinner table and he goes like, Tom, did you hear that? And then he repeats the same joke when he clearly right. the guy just said it right next to him. It's like those type of actions that made him a one of a kind type of character and uh, the legit mannerisms, like, cause the pe- person you automatically want to con- like, like relate him to or compare him to is Silvio. And like Silvio is such an over-the-top gangster compared to like it almost grounded Sirico's Polly Walnuts even more. We're like, okay, this guy's way believable because the person next to him is kind of making this whole thing a joke. Yeah, you know? I've never been a Sil guy. Personally. I love like, Sil. I like I know, I know I understand what he's trying to we, do. I know I remember we did our top billing, and like I just was never going to pick Silvio. I just never been a Sil guy. I don't not like him, just way too over the top for me. But uh another one of my favorite Polly Walnut moments is uh when he's at the church talking to the priest and he's talking about how much money he donates <laughs> and he's just like i'm not donating here anymore if you're gonna get this like crap you're gonna keep this crap going and like he wants to like beat up the priest basically. Like, even the cruel things he did were funny yeah. like he literally killed his mom's roommate who was freaking like strangled her and she was like 90 years old like it and it was for something so simple you know it's like even the parts where he's like acting like a gangster still makes you laugh like he's just naturally funny person so rest in peace tony sirico i also want to say something about james con uh i did enjoy him on twitter i don't know if he was the one actually running his twitter probably not based on his health but he tweeted a lot of godfather things and other movies he's been in or he was just like uh uh congratulating people on movies publicly through tweets and he had one of the greatest sign-offs on tweets in history. You know how Tom Hanks does Hanks, H-A-N, then X. Like James Conn does end of tweet. 
Like, like saying like, okay, I said it. That's a statement. No arguments to be had. Don't even turn on the replies. End of tweet. Right. The Godfather, greatest movie ever made. End of tweet. You know, I love that. When he, but whoever is writing that, do you think like they actually know like, like I think they're saying end of tweet, like not in like a funny way. They're doing it for sure, like a Magic Johnson type of way, just saying the stats of last night. You know. Do I think it honestly you, you matches it, it matches who he is? Like it does, but like, do you think he's that in tune with like social think about media? Sunny if Sonny Corley if Sonny Corleone has a Twitter account, he's going end of tweet, end of discussion. But like, right? he, like, <laughs> like I can kind of see that's the reason he does it. It's not like they know it's the end of the tweet, maybe because like, oh, there's no thread here, it's the end of the tweet. That's not what I think it is, but you know, it's more like okay, I'll, I'll think of it that way, but I'll be it's skeptical in the back of my mind. It's like this is not up for discussion. This is a fact. End of tweet. You know, I'm gonna that start. Awesome. I'm, I'm gonna start having takes and just saying end of tweet. You know, he did it for every single tweet he had. Yeah, every, every single, single one. Yeah. All right. So rest in peace to Tony Sirico and uh, James Cobb. Moving on. Uh, I want to talk about. Hmm. Where do I jump, Ricky? Blake's. I had something highlighted. Miles Teller said he's had conversations with Tom Cruise about Top Gun 3. He said, quote, it's going to be all up to Tom, end quote. Ricky Flex, potential Top Gun 3 on the horizon. New uh, Top Gun Maverick, the sequel to Top Gun, has crossed over $1.2 billion. It's the highest grossing movie ever for Paramount Studios. Do you think there is going to be a sequel to Top Gun Maverick, and do you want that sequel? So I'm a guy that likes to let things die, like good things die, you know, not really do a sequel, let alone a legacy sequel. It's very risky. This one absolutely nailed it, not just movie wise, but also box office wise. So do they want to do it? Yes. Will I be fine with it? Yes, because you know what? They proved that they could do a sequel. So why not do another one? Um, I wouldn't be as hope again we'll be skeptical but you know what they did prove it to me that they could do a sequel so why can't they do a third one will it happen is the question tom cruise jam-packed schedule he is the person like he said it's all up to tom and he's not just saying it because he's the yes and no it's also because he's just so god dang busy i think he's he just loves to work you can see in his COVID rant he just wants to get movies out i think he'll do it he also just made 60 million dollars from it why not another, do another $60 million uh, for yourself, Tom? Make another Top Gun. It's interesting because you would think he would automatically sign on to this. As you said, made $60 million himself from this movie, $1.2 billion at the box office. You got Mission Impossible, who he has no problem making movie after movie. By the end of, what, 2023 or 2024, 2024 he will have made eight Mission Impossible, nine Mission Impossible, no, eight. Eight Mission Impossible movies or nine. Which one is it? It would technically be wait. Oh my god, nine. Because right. you have the first three, then you have the second three, and then you're gonna have oh eight, 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 eight. Okay. So basically he's gonna have eight Mission Impossible movies, and then he and you would think like, okay, but what I would think potentially by this quote, it's all up to Tom. Like Tom Cruise might want to say like I like you. This was a risk. Like, we were lucky that this one did so well and we were able to land the plane, pun intended, right? With Top Gun Maverick, that maybe we don't want to return to it and potentially screw up something nice. 
Like this is it'd be great to leave this legacy sequel as it is, almost like Mad Max. We haven't had any like sequel to Mad Max Fury Road. It stands on its own as an absolute classic, right? A best picture nominee. I, I don't think you can announce Top Gun 3 until like the Academy Awards like nominations come out. Like, what if the legacy of this movie is like Tom Cruise is nominated for a best actor and this movie is nominated for best picture, right? And it has getting getting nominated for best visual effects, okay, or score or director. Like it could just have that reputation and let it die there. Cause I think this could be a moment where like, this is Tom Cruise's best shot at winning an Oscar uh, for the rest of his career. As him as the return to Maverick. And he's not signing up for any more serious movies. It's going to be Ethan Hunt for two more. He's going to space for another action movie. He's not settling down whatsoever. He might want to just keep the reputation of this movie intact and not potentially ruin it with a third top gun, even though it can make buttloads of money. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I think he's not going to do another serious role, unfortunately. I think he's past that. Mission Impossible is going to end after eight. So it's like, okay, well, if he still wants to act, like you either do have to do an original action movie or you go with what you know. And it's always easier to go with what you know. That's why I still give it a chance. If this thing has Oscar praise, then, yes, I completely agree with you that, yeah, they'll go out on that high, I think. I think that he actually would, but will it? I just, I just think it's way. So too if it early doesn't, if it doesn't have that Oscar praise, I assume they make a third one because they notice like profitability in an action franchise to keep going. But if it has those nominations and it has that reputation as a movie, it's like the argument I make for Joker and you make for Joker. Uh, I think you did, but like I, I said myself, like it's great if we had that standalone film just stand on its own not have a sequel, leave its reputation intact as an 11th as 11 time Oscar nominee, a winner of best actor and best original score rather than potentially ruin it with a sequel. That is now a musical that's going to have Lady Gaga playing Harley Quinn, right? To follow up Margot Robbie's performance oh in the God. previous DC uh, extended universe. Like to me, that's crazy. Like that might ruin the reputation. Like Top Gun three, if the cruise takes a back seat, you would expect that with now Rooster and Hangman, right? With Miles Teller, Glenn Powell, pretty much, I would say, stepping up. I don't think Tom Cruise would be the guy once again in Top Gun, right? Because like, he, he already is like he already came back in that movie and was leading these um, attacks or like the, these um, expeditions as a sixty-year-old with these young guns. I don't think they can do the same thing again next movie. I'll never say never. But I agree. To me, it's crazy. All right. Uh, let's keep going. Daniel Kaluuya, not going to be a Black Panther Wakanda forever. Uh, uh, apparently, due to scheduling conflicts with Jordan Peele's Nope. So he's not in uh, He's not in Wakanda forever after having an initial appearance in the original Black Panther. Right? Nope in the way. Ricky Flicks. Uh, did you think Kaluuya had a future at all for the Black Panther franchise and the MCU? Or is this, uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I think it's the MCU wanted it, but after because Black Panther came out right after Get Out, like you definitely knew that MCU's like, oh my god, we landed on a gold mine because like Kaluuya had quotes that came out today saying that before Get Out came out, he was like, I thought I was done. Like he literally was, he didn't think he would be acting like anymore. So like it's just crazy how Get Out happens. They're filming Black Panther around uh, just after that. Like he already had the part and. It's just like MCU must be like, oh, my God, we have to incorporate this guy more. So him not returning, 
I think it's a blow to the MCU, but it makes sense for him. Like, you're going to be a nope. Jordan Peele has literally called you Robert De Niro, like, to your Scorsese. So I think that he had to do this. It makes, I totally don't blame him. I would have done the same thing. And honestly, if he ever wanted to be, a, like, in, like, a superhero film down the road or something like that. John Stewart. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, I was thinking the entire time. I'm like, you can't go back to Marvel, put him in DC, make it be John Stewart. I don't um, think he'll do it, but like that would be a great call. But uh, yeah, that's I guess like I would have done the same thing. Don't blame him. What do you think? Uh I think it doesn't matter. Like, like I get it. Like 2018 Black Panther, like you said, 2017 Get Out. He had not exploded yet. He had the role in Black Mirror that kind of put him on the map a little bit. Uh. But the way he acts in Black Panther, like it was kind of setting him up to like go to jail. <laughs> like he, like he, like the way he <laughs> betrays the crown and betrays T'Challa for Killmonger in that movie. Like it's not like he was going to ever even be considered for taking up the mantle based on the first movie. Like it, let's say, like you would say like, oh, it's Daniel Kaluuya, he could be the next Black Panther. But if you watch his character in the movie, like it's just like okay, this guy, this guy betrayed. It was like this guy committed treason. Like this guy cannot be the next Black Panther. Uh, but I'm, but I'm interested, like, what are they going to do with his character? How are they going to allude to that character? Because even though, right, it was a supporting role, like, it was so, it was someone who committed treason in the first movie, and it's Daniel Kaluuya. I feel like they're going to have to, like, mention this somehow in Wakanda Forever, no? I think they will have to, yeah. Um, or they recast him. I guess they can recast him, too. It's not yeah, that integral of a role. I agree. I think they'd, they'd just rather kill him off, I think. I isn't this is yeah and again like I actually forgot about him like when every time I think of Wakanda Forever I wasn't thinking about Daniel Kaluuya you know you're thinking what are they gonna do with Chadwick Boseman what are you gonna are they gonna do the Game of Thrones style that we keep talking about on this podcast with the different tribes what are they gonna do post like what's Wakanda been up to post like Infinity War Endgame right we saw a little snippet and Fal a snippet of uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier but nothing concrete. I wasn't really thinking of Daniel Kaluuya. So I don't think this is a big blow, especially with all the, you hear all the issues on set with Shuri, uh, Letitia Wright, like on set with the COVID and everything. It's just like, what is going on? I don't even know. I don't have that. I would not be picking that for most anticipated movies in the second half of this year. And don't think, I, I, I see that face. Would you? I'm I'm highly anticipating this movie because I'm interested in how they're going to handle such huge decisions to make in this franchise. Like like I don't know if it's good. Like I I and I, I can't dismiss Ryan Coogler because he's never missed. And uh, yes, we're missing Chadwick Boseman, and rest in peace to uh, a like a, a, a absolute pioneer when it comes to African American superheroes, black superheroes. What he means to their culture, and what he means to the overall like MCU culture, but like. Like he wasn't the best performance in the original Black Panther. Like I would be interested. Like what if Killmonger somehow is incorporated back in here? What can we do with like this amazing world that was created and looked so aesthetically pleasing? One of the best looking movies in the history of the MCU. Let's go back to Wakanda. Let's see potentially Shuri have a, a stronger role here. Winston Duke, right? Step in. Maybe he becomes as Mbaku, one of the next kings of Wakanda or leaders of Wakanda. Uh, Okoye stepping back into the fold. I just feel like it's going to be amazing to look at no matter what potential Namor being introduced. I think that's a huge name 
in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that has not been introduced yet. That's not part of the, the X-Men or the Fantastic Four that can now be like introduced as a major villain, you know, to, uh, or a major anti-hero. So am I looking forward to it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think you mentioned Akoya. You think she becomes like queen or no. she, or you think she, like or the Black Panther, I mean? No. Hmm. Interesting. I think that well, she 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 serves she serves Shuri, you know, like she, right. she, but she serves them. Like serve, I don't think but then she, she could serve her as the Black Panther potentially in the future. Maybe. I don't know. I, I think my money's still on Mbaku to be the next I one. I think I think they're they like him where he is. I don't and think then, he's anywhere right now. And he's then a like, female empowerment, like I think they could spin it that way. Maybe I don't. I don't see it that way. I think Shuri was the person, and then she kind of screwed it up by her actions offset, mm-hmm. or uh, off screen, off camera. I would say, and uh, I think Okoye. I don't know. I just don't buy that. You know, I, I just I think she it doesn't fit her character. All of a sudden, become Black Panther. I, I think it would be more of Mbaku, who's more of the warrior type. You know, one who faced and helped am out. I think, am Black I Panther. thinking of the wrong person? Or uh, I guess I am. I'm thinking of the girl with the staff. Yeah, Shades uh, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of the right person. Yeah, she's a warrior too. Yeah, but like yeah. I, I just don't. Th- I think like Black Panther usually is um, associate the Black Panther mantle is not usually someone who's just a simple warrior or just like the the guard of the king. You know, it's more of the actual king or the ruler of what. Yeah, no, I understand. I just didn't see Shuri even having a chance, even without the offset issues, because oh, she definitely know, did. Like as what it's, it was like reported, but like I don't know. Just I always see her as a tech side. I didn't. I don't know. Didn't really she's like a genius. It. Like she was super yeah. smart. They were like, and that I think she really had a chance to be the next Black Panther. She didn't screw everything up. Yeah, I just meant athleticism, but yes. Um. Yeah, she didn't really get to see her do much, honestly, other than be smart. <laughs> but uh, but I guess like the suit actually like gives you some powers you know how wakanda works there are kind of some mystical things going on all right moving on i want to jump to a real quick st- uh two wait two more mcu stories alden airreich has been cast in disney plus ironheart series alden airreich most widely known uh for hail caesar would would that it be so simple or whatever that line was and then uh han solo we're so simple what it's a tour so simple mm. <laughs> i don't even I, i'm having more trouble than he did saying that line to ralph Fiennes. But he's going to be in Ironheart. He was also in Solo, right? Played the one and only Han Solo in the movie that did not spawn a sequel. Uh, was not a critical failure for uh, Star Wars, but um, seemed to be a commercial one, certainly. So is he playing the villain, do you think, in Ironheart or what? I think so. And again, he's going to be an Oppenheimer, too, next year with Christopher Nolan and the rest of Hollywood. Just, just finished wrapped on it. Yeah, so... No, it's interesting for him. He's he's kind of back on the come up now, right? Obviously, you mentioned Hail Caesar had that. He kind of came on the scene hot. Solo, a lot of issues there. Ron Howard had to take over, and like you said, commercially, commercially, and also the movie itself not the biggest success. So it's like okay, like his career kind of went to a, took a turn, did the TV route, but then he's in Oppenheimer, and now he's doing this. So he's kind of on the track. And do you know how old he is? Guess his age. Uh, 34. He's 32. He is super young. So yeah. He, this is like, like, he, this is honestly where a lot of people usually start at, like, are at 32. Like, he's, like, obviously not the superstars, 
like maybe he could have been. He was Han Solo, for God's sakes. But maybe he can get back and be more relevant and more of a mainstay in Hollywood now. I hope so, because I, I loved him in Hail Caesar. I loved him in that movie. I thought he was going to be like the next big thing. And then once I saw he was cast in Han Solo after a highly contested part, I think Miles Teller was up for Han Solo too. From right yeah, about I think that. so. Uh, so he was like beating him out for the role. Uh, so yeah, I, I like to see him back on the back on the high horse here. But he also was in Brave New World, which is a failure. I believe that was on Peacock. They tried to adapt the book, the Aldous Huxley book, into a TV show. Crap the bed. And uh, going on with that, I don't know. It's just like a, like a Dominique Thorne, who we know from Judas and the Black Messiah, is going to be playing Ironheart. Um, it just feels weird to me of going on a little bit of a tangent away from Alden Ehrenreich, but more on the Ironheart series. It's weird that we're getting like the next Iron Man as a TV show as opposed to a movie. Uh, even though this is an unknown character, do, do you wish you were seeing like the return of like quote unquote Iron Man like on the big screen? Do you think it kind of deserves that more so than TV? It, but it's not Iron Man, so like, ah, but there's really. an obvious connection, right? But I think that makes it good for a TV show like a Miss Marvel. I, I guess think you got. Yeah, I would guess like the argument would be Falcon the Winter Soldier. It was like TV show, Captain America. Right, but that felt that but Falcon the Winter Soldier feels bigger because of that on-screen, big screen connection, literally with those characters. You know? Right. So I'm saying like if those guys are on a TV show, it makes sense that this girl's on a TV show. Yeah, yeah, okay. And but like those guys, like they still have a chance to get back on the big screen a lot sooner than well, he I, is. Yeah, yeah. I'm like Anthony I, Mackie's literally getting his own movie. No, I know. I'm just saying that she might never see the big screen. Those guys are like you knew that before. You know the show. You, what? You think Ironheart's ever going to see the big screen? No, but like, but, all right. This is what I'm saying. When Falcon the Winter Soldier got announced, you knew right off the bat that you didn't know for a fact that he was going to become Captain America, but you knew off the bat those two were going to make it back to the big screen. Ironheart's like they may never go to the big screen. It's hard to tell because these TV shows are so young. Like they're like, they're like, there is going to be like a secret wars type of movie or like an ensemble type movie. Like all these characters are going to be in their own TV shows. Like Miss Marvel is going to be in the Marvels, like literally next year, like literally already shot the movie. So it's like interesting. Like how is this going to eventually come to the big screen? Like, I don't, I don't know anything about this character. That's the thing. I know it's a newer type of comic book character, Riri Williams. I think it's like literally 2010s his character came to be, or at least just 21st century compared to an older hero like Iron Man was in the comic books. But um, yeah, I don't. I, I really don't know, and I I don't know if I'm going to be interested in it. I like Alden Ehrenreich. That intrigues me. We'll see. I don't know. Just whatever. <laughs> uh, moving on. Ryan Gosling says the one superhero he'd want to play is Ghost Rider. Right? Uh, does that mean like? It's just like a situation where Kevin Feige would go, oh, Ryan Gosling wants to be in the MCU. He wants to play Ghost Rider. Let's make him Ghost Rider, kind of like we did with Marshall Ali. I think so. I think it's that situation. I think that I think that's a good analogy. I also think that like Gosling, he's in this like action phase, like similar to Jake Gyllenhaal. Like they both tried for the Oscar, didn't really pan out. You know, doing more se- drama, serious roles, dramatic, serious roles. And now they're doing the action route. Like, we got the Gray Man coming. I know Barbie, Greta Gerwig, like, and all the stars next to that. So that, that might be dramatic, but that looks like a fun movie. He's having a lot of fun there. Like, he kept the haircut for that watch commercial. 
after like like he's having fun with that role he's having fun with his career right now so i think that this is the chance that yes he would be so open to join the mcu that marvel should jump on that based on what they're doing right now yeah i mean that'd be cool and it, you know he's big with barbie uh mattel right he's making a lot he's doing a lot of press right now what's he doing press for like the the watch like tag gray War man or whatever. gray man right oh the gray man yeah that comes right? out so, not this week but next week so the gray man so he's doing a lot of press he's talking about barbie like we've had a lot of videos of him coming out right now uh on social media he said that those aren't those aren't spoilers whatsoever it's just it's kind of cool to see him just out in the public margot roby dressed so wildly and playing barbie and ken in real life that's really cool but the fact that he wants to be in the mcu is kind of cool I would say, like, he's not stale of the MCU. He doesn't think it's uncool to be in the MCU. He's not too good for it, which makes me happy. You know, just like I, there's so many actors. I would think Christian Bale would have been one of those. And it's, I think Christian Bale was actually that person until he was thrown in the bag and he gets to work with a character, a character director like Taika Waititi, like, and like lets him be who he wants to be in that movie. Finally, he sees a character he can sink himself into, but he had not seen those movies. Like, uh, in terms of like Christian Bale talking about Thanos saying the big purple bloke who wanted the stones and everything. I, that was the only Marvel movie he's ever seen as opposed to like Gosling saying he wants to play ghost rider. Like that's a very specific hero. And that's one that hasn't been introduced in the MCU. It's not like him saying, I want to be Wolverine or I want to play like Iron Man or I want to play something that's already been introduced. He's literally specifically picking a hero that has not been shown on the big screen in the MCU. It just seems very intentional that he picked that person and it was like careful that he did so, you know? I was really about to say that. Like it, it seems very intentional. And yes, we have seen a Ghost Rider before on the big screen. Nick Cage, still love you. But yeah, I think a lot of fans have been doing a lot of Ghost Rider, like, oh, this is the time to bring Ghost Rider back on social media before the, these comments even came out, especially with Blade coming out uh, soon as well, similar style of character. I think it is time not only for Ghost Rider, but also just keep on the train. Like I said, Ryan Gosling on this fun career path, action-oriented fun, and also Marvel bringing in these highly acclaimed actors into the into Phase 4 here. I would love for him to play Silver Surfer. I think that would be cool. But, like, what- yeah, I actually, it's interesting. Because, like, Silver Surfer, like, he's always silver. He doesn't use his looks at all. Ghost Rider, at least, like, he doesn't have the skull and fire flames on his head all the time you know he still is a good looking dude with a motorcycle jacket and we know that ryan gosling can pull off a motorcycle jacket yeah no i 100 agree and i think you think a drive immediately but i like i don't know it's just like his delivery i think as like uh silver surfer would be cool galactus is going to mean a lot as probably the mm. next big bad of this universe and it's having had such a tight connection that ryan gosling is going to be a continuous and like a focal point of the MCU when you are the Silver Surfer, it's like you like if you're Ghost Rider, you're not gonna be in that many movies, you're not gonna be in that many stories, and you're not gonna be that impactful of a character. If you're Silver Surfer, you're next to Galactus the entire time because Galactus pretty much controls the Silver Surfer. And if we think that this is intentional play with Ghost Rider, then maybe he doesn't want to be that much connected to the MCU, but he wants to be in it. So this is an opportunity to be like, oh, I'm in the MCU, get to be a superhero, but. Maybe I can one day get past this action-oriented stage, have a nice exit from Ghost Rider, so I can get back to trying to win an Oscar. Yeah, that might be it. Almost like how uh, Oscar Isaac approaches Moon Knight. You know, almost the same mm-hmm. thing. 
and Marshall Ali's Blade. But Blade seems like there is a lot of things in store based on the post-credit scene for Eternal. So we'll see what happens there. Mm. Uh, as we're wrapping up the checkup here, Ricky Flex, uh, I want to say Anna Armas reveals that she hired Emerald Fennell to write the script for her John Wick spinoff movie, Ballerina. Uh, it's got to have you very excited. Anna Armas is one of the Drive-In Pod's favorites. Emerald Fennell, also one of the Drive-In Pod favorites. Uh, what do you think? Is this movie like... Do we have any info on this other than the fact that it's a John Wick spinoff series and it's on the Armas? Like, do we know anything? Was this teased at all in John Wick 3? No, not at all. Um, this, no, this is just completely separate. Uh, I know nothing, but on the Armas, like we saw, we've seen how good she can be at acting, right? We've seen it in Knives Out. We, You have those, the Chris Evans quotes today about like when she was acting with him on the set, how like surprised he was of how good of an actor she was. You have the quotes from Jamie Lee Curtis that are a little stereotypical there, so I won't get into that. But we see how good of an actor she is. We see in James Bond that in limited screen time, she can be an action star as well. So this is a perfect combo for her to pair up a John Wick spinoff with the action with an Emerald Fennell, who is famous for writing scripts, won an Oscar for it. So I think this is a good combination. I really like it. But yeah, no, there's there's been literally no info besides castings and the name of this movie. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering if you knew because I don't really have much to add to this other than the fact like Anna de Armas, right? Powerful actress in this day and time. Emerald Fennell empowers female actresses, the biggest names in Hollywood. And then we saw out of the armors what she did in No Time to Die with those action sequences, what she's capable of. I'm looking forward to that movie. Uh, David Beckham documentary series in the works at Netflix. I think this is well deserved. I think this would be cool. David well Beckham yes. documentary series. Like I, I think this is going to be interesting because the life on and off the field for David Beckham, what he's meant to soccer. He doesn't go down as like one of the best like footballers of all time, but like. He's his impact, I think, far reaches like all like soccer fans. Well, he is an like if there's a Hall of Fame, he's firmly yes, yes, a but he's not. Hall but he's, he was never a Ronaldo, Messi level player, right? And it's just, but yeah, it was just like yeah. him married to the uh, pot or which which Spice Girls he married to. Bad, don't ask me. Whatever, uh, but like hit and like what he meant to the culture, coming trying to bring soccer to the U.S. I think that can make for a pretty riveting documentary. Yeah, and like you could, if uh, YouTubers you're seeing behind me, my Manchester United scarf on on the wall there, like huge, uh, part of the treble winning team. AC Milan, when AC Milan was amazing, yeah, part of Real Madrid, like he literally PSG, though he touched all the biggest clubs in Europe, one of the most like popular stars and brings the game over to the U.S. Asked for this, asked for a great documentary, and again, like. He, what did I just say? I said Milan, Italy, Paris, France, Manchester, England, the big, arguably the biggest club in the world, and that, and Real Madrid, Madrid, Spain. Like, you're, you're going to, like, for Netflix, this is just like, hey, let's just make a documentary about this guy, and then we're going to get more subs and so many eyes on this. So that leads me to believe, like, Netflix, good for them, smart, strategic move. Also, make it good. Like, I don't want to see, like, one of these crappy Netflix docs. Like, make this good. You know? I don't want David Beckham too hands on with the project because that's where sports documentaries go wrong. Of course, look at any like the TB12 or the Derek Lance Jeter, Armstrong. Lance Armstrong, like we, 
it's always good when it's just like outside perspective, but you also get them for the interview, but that's it. Yes. Just get a director and just do it like a 30 for 30. 100%. Except like the last dance was a little different just because uh, Michael Jordan is just so rarely heard from, you know? And like he had the power to like release this footage or withhold that footage. It just was different when you're dealing with someone of that magnitude. I, I mm -hmm. go ahead. I, I don't think I would want to see a last dance style with David Beckham. And that might be blasphemous to say, but it's just like he doesn't have the controversies of the magnitude of Michael Jordan, which I think you were trying to strive at. And I just like a David Beckham documentary with his spin on it would just be like goody two shoe because he is a great guy like he owns inter miami now um he has other owner interests around the globe like it's just like his would just be like oh it's there's no negatives he's just a perfect human there's, he's not a controversial figure right so it would just it wouldn't be it would just make it worse having an I, outsider comes in you could at least pop it up uh pop it down a little bit not if i was if That's i was if i was producing this series I'd focus more on the global phenomenon that is David Beckham. I think that's like the key to this, uh, his life, you know, and that's what makes him an interesting figure. And like talk about him bringing, trying to bring soccer to the U S because that's the last time we believed it was possible in the U S literally that soccer would catch on is when David Beckham went to the LA galaxy. That was more like, okay, the MLS has a chance. And, yeah, and you can make the argument he like kind of hurt the MOS because after him, people start coming, but they only come when they're 40 years old. Yeah, it's true. You know, Ronaldo and Messi will be here before you know it. Actually, though. Yeah, seriously. Uh, before we wrap up the checkup here, I just want to go over some of the Emmy nominations. Here are the highest nominated shows at the Emmys. We got Succession with 25 nominations leading the way. Ted Lasso with 20. The White Lotus with 20. Hacks was 17 from HBO. Only Murders in the Building was 17. Euphoria was 16. Barry with 14. Squid Game, 14. Severance, 14. Stranger Things, I believe, with 13. Any takeaways looking at the leaderboard here in terms of Emmy nominations? I think you I, Ted Lasso, I think, got 20. It's on here. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think Hold down, got, buddy. I, I, I still can't believe that, even though like I can Ted Lasso is amazing. I can't and, believe I can't believe Nate got a nomination. Yeah, like he got one. Like they just like gave everything to Ted Lasso after season two, huh? But uh, I think he, uh, it's just my a couple takeaways. I think Jason Sudeikis is a lock to get another uh, to get an Emmy just based on where his character went, the depth of it this season. He's gonna get one. I think Apple biggest winner. I think like they beat out Netflix. Like that's insane that Apple with the limited shows? shows they have beat out Netflix that has Stranger Things and Squid Game, the most allegedly the most watched shows in the world last year. So it's just that's the big storyline for me. The shocker was the Ted Lasso, the Nate Sudeik is the automatic. And then it's the normal like, yeah, succession 25. Yeah, like tell us something we didn't know. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's like the other Succession. thing I HBO is still the goat, bro. I don't care. Apple's on the come up, but they ain't the best. Like Succession, Whoa. White Lotus, Hacks, Euphoria, Barry. You have HBO everywhere on this list. Still the goat. I think still the question the is next year, does House of Dragon get in this? Does how like, and how many does the boys get? 
Lords. So Rings of Power, and then you got Boys because the Boys just missed the cutoff this year with their release of their season three, right? So they're going to be carrying over the Boys with the Rings of Power from Amazon. But what is eligible? I think I nominated for um, animated is uh, uh, Diabolical. So yeah, so I guess Amazon's gonna be on the run, but I'm just like I'm a huge HBO guy, so I'm happy to see like that they still dominate no matter what the streaming services, what's going on with those, right? They still have the top notch content and they reign supreme. Yeah, no, agreed. I'm shocked a little bit by White Lotus. I didn't know people respected that show that much. I I think I was also shocked to see was it double digits they hit double digits in nominations i was shocked to see that as well 20 they have 20 nominations 20 i don't know if it was that good but i did like it i enjoyed the show i didn't think it was anything out of this world but i did like would i recommend it if you needed something to watch and you already watched like all the the best shows from last year like barry euphoria succession like squid game then yeah i would say throw on white lotus after that but to beat out like squid game with 14 Stranger Things with 13, like that's kind of shocking to me. Uh, I think Severance is next on my list. I've seen all these except I've seen half of White Lotus, haven't seen Hacks, and the only one I have to see is Severance. So I'll watch Severance. Severance. Only Murders in the Building, 17 nominations. I'm telling you, the show is sneaky good. It is, it's not even sneaky good. It's just freaking good. That's, uh, and like that's Season 2 just came out. Just came out. I can't wait to, to dive in. Uh, all right. That's going to do for the checkup this week. Let's now move on to our recap for season three finale of The Boys. All right. Season finale, season three. One of the best seasons of superhero television. One of the best seasons of television straight up. I personally have seen in quite a long time. Initial reactions, Ricky Flex. Do you think they landed the plane successfully with this season three finale? Yes, for the most part. I think this the finale was incredible. I think it lived up to the hype. Uh, the reason why I had a little pause is that the very, very end, uh, like the final minute when they're showing where everyone is, it's just like, okay, well, I guess I'm okay with this. But I was a little shocked that they didn't have bigger consequences. So... If I you don't know think... what I mean. I'm not trying to be a spoiler here. So that was just like, I like when there's real consequences. You, well, let's just do a spoiler warning right now. Spoiler warning right now. If you haven't seen the boys, go watch it. Then listen to this. We're just going to, we're talking to boys. We're jumping right into spoilers. So go ahead. Speak freely. Nobody dies. Maybe one person dies, but we're not really sure. Who? Black Noir. Oh, right. This yeah. finale didn't land the plane as much as I wanted it to, Ricky Flex. This was, like, for me, one of the weaker episodes in this season. I was pretty pissed off about Black Noir. Like, that they, was what, BS. They did us dirty with the preview trailer for the finale this week. They show Black Noir, like, sharpening the blade, right? He spent the previous episode building up, right? Showing the background of the relationship of Black Noir and Soldier Boy. And they don't even give us the decency to have Black Noir like face Soldier Boy. And now we're at the point where we think Black Noir is dead, right? Although we don't really see it. We do see his body, right? But we, but we, we have uh, Homelander who brings the mask, right? 
or the helmet of Black Noir shows that he's dead, quote unquote. But at the same time, it's not like even if they he isn't dead, he's not gonna be able to face Soldier Boy because Soldier Boy has been put away. He's not dead either, but he's been like they've stored him away like Ted Williams style in the freezing chamber. So I just hated the fact that we were promised so much of Black Noir. I was waiting for him to finally go off in the season finale, and they gave us nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And like it's it's a character where you don't have a face. So it's like you could just put in the most the best stuntman in the world and give us the best action sequences ever without any repercussions, without any like questions about the acting and the like whatever from people online or critic critically. Like so easy to do. And they never did it. They tried to do it in that one time when he's like hunting down. Uh, in the house in season in season two but like they gave us the backstory we wanted right but it was an animation form it was kind of weird it was classic like boys weirdness style and then that kind of got why they did that like that's kind of it you know and i just definitely i i agree with your pain i am with you but overall i think the episode besides that and the actual consequences with like the fighting I, I think that it was a good episode. Anthony Stark killed it, of course. Like, I think everyone did their part very well. Yeah. No, I say overall, I liked it. But, like, I don't think, like, they had a chance for me to, like, say this is, like, one of my favorite seasons of television, one of the best seasons of television I've ever seen. And, like, because of this finale, I don't think it is in that category anymore. Like, I felt like it was going to be as long as they they, they said there was going to be a body count this episode. However, those bodies are not really people that we are even relevant or that we even know in this show. A lot of people do die, but they're not even, like, characters that we're familiar with. They're just random people. The Black Noir thing, I thought it was actually, like, crushing to watch, like, those, like, characters around the saturday morning cartoons say like we're so proud of you and things like that all right we'll see you we'll see you later things like that like I, I was actually crushed watching that uh homelander is an interesting we have a lot of interesting dynamics during this episode we had the pentultimate episode it ends with soldier boy calling homelander saying that he is his father right a biological father right there would be no homelander without like the genes of soldier boy. So when I saw this in the penultimate episode or heard this, I immediately thought like, okay, this introduces a whole new dynamic. Now there is a chance that Homelander will be teaming up with soldier boy. We know how much a father figure means to, um, Homelander. We find out like the background of soldier boy's father and things like that. So like, it was really a possibility that these guys were going to team up when they got together. And Butcher was kind of in Soldier Boy's ears saying, hey, he's not your dad. He's not your dad. Not your dad, right? Cunt. Oi. So when eventually you have that moment where Homelander and Soldier Boy start fighting, I was almost relieved. You know, I didn't want to like see like another episode where Homelander, I guess, is on top. You could say he kind of like has a power has the power at the end of this episode uh, and this, this season. But I'm just happy we got, like, these massive fights. And I was happy we got Soldier Boy versus Homelander, Maeve versus Homelander, Butcher versus Soldier Boy, Ryan versus whoever was touching Homelander. You know, I just thought it, it, it provided a lot of, like, uh, fireworks in 
Vought Industries, you know? Yeah, and even outside at the very end with Homelander just absolutely murking that dude and then getting applause from it with a Mother's Milk's, like, what do you call it? Like, husband? Her, her no, his like, wife's husband. His ex-wife's yeah, his husband. Wife, yeah, his ex-wife's husband. Like, that just took that whole scene. The guy becoming the most hated man on the internet and in the show over Homelander. And then the Homelander meme being shocked that he got so he's getting celebrated for just murdering that dude flat out. That's just turned into the meme on social media. That's just absolutely running rampant right now. So that's just classic boys. What we've been saying all season, just, they just are part of our culture in more ways than one, not just because it's a great television show. And that's why I think this finale did hit. Yes. Do we not get like what exactly we wanted? Yeah, I, I would agree with you. This season and show, this season won't go down as one of the greatest seasons of all time in TV history, but I still will put it up there as the best TV show right now on this television. Like, it's the best season of the show. I'll say that. Easily the best season of the show. If they had the finale that season two had, there would be like that level with the consequences, right? Butcher's wife dies at the hands of Ryan. Okay. Then you have Stormfront and the, the moments where Stormfront's getting kicked the shit out of, like in that episode. Like that is one where you were standing up and cheering during that finale. Here, I just felt like there was unpaid consequences. Like you said, Maeve should have died. Should have died. Storm, like a uh, soldier boy should have died, potentially. Like if you're gonna, like, but like I it only, I guess you could only have Soldier Boy live. Like he's too juicy of a character. Like honestly. Soldier Boy, I'm kind of glad he didn't die because I think he has a lot more to give to this universe. But I'm wondering, like, they just put him in the cryo chamber. Like, when's he coming back out? Like, what's going to draw him back out? And who's going to set him free? They've already set him free from a cryo chamber once before. Like, they got to figure out another reason to do that. I feel like sometimes the show is going in circles. Like, we are, we're now at the point where Homelander is walking free again. Okay, the whole team is still intact boys are back together and things like that. And then we're moving on to the next season. And then Newman, right. Is also just like at the end of season two, she's now the looming figure where we thought at the end of season two, she was going to be the villain for season three, right? Season three ends, right? We now we expect her to be the villain as the VP candidate season four, right? It just seems like, I don't know. Some things are repeating when they shouldn't be in my opinion. I agree. And then I also agree because like, it seems like the crowd chamber, it seems like, Oh, we're going to have to release him to fight Homelander when Homelander gets even more out of whack. And Ryan gets so powerful. It's like, Oh, we need soldier boy. Let's just take him out of the crowd chamber. So they're going to need a, some, a different twist on somehow him getting out of there. And it can't be for Homelander. I don't know what that's going to be then. Yeah. I don't know. Like there's gotta, there's gotta be, they must have a trick up their sleep. I would think. Um, and what's interesting, Eric Kripke mentioned there's going to be a spinoff for the boys. I think it, what was it called? Varsity. I think it's called. Is, right it about var- that? is varsity something or it's called varsity. I think it's called varsity. So a spinoff show for the boys. And it's going to have uh, storylines that are going to be interwoven into the next season of the boys and vice versa. I think that's interesting. I'm not sure exactly. I think varsity talks about a college age level heroes, like young heroes, and it's like having like this inter- interconnected universe is going to be interesting. Do you have any idea when like Varsity's coming out? Do you know any of those details? No, I didn't see it, but I wasn't happy when I saw it. I really wasn't. I'm, I'm like happy as in, oh, the boys, like it's so big, it's getting spinoffs. But then I, at the end of the day, I'm like, wait, crap, I have to watch more TV. And it's not even a core product. Like the core product is the boys. This is a secondary spinoff. It might not be good. 
not the same characters here. Like they're going to have to, I just don't think it would have that same magic that the boys will have no matter what, because the boys just are such a breath of fresh air, not just for superheroes, but for TV in general, this won't be a, be a breath of fresh air. So it's just like, ugh. but I have to watch it. If there's interwoven storylines, I was a little annoyed. Did, did you watch Diabolical? Did you ever watch that show? No, I did not. I didn't either. I was kind of nervous to watch it because I was afraid it would just get me angry and like I think it would suck. You know, like just right. I didn't love the trailers a lot. Clips that they showed, I didn't think were very funny. I thought it was almost too much off the wall. Um, I much preferred the cartoons that were going on in uh, Black Noir's head. Much prefer those cartoons. Those guys were great. Um, all right. Where else do I want to go here? Uh, Ryan thoughts on Ryan this episode so so Ryan what's interesting is that when they go to the uh, there's this rally for Homelander okay Homelander comes down Ryan can fly at this point because Homelander says I want to meet you guys to meet somebody he points to the air Ryan drops down that's scary because it seems like he's learned very fast how to fly uh, it seems like he's going to be his sidekick right like going into the next season and that's going to provide an interesting dynamic especially with a butcher who has nothing to lose who has made this promise to uh like homelander that it's going to come down to a one-on-one him versus homelander to the death and obviously butcher has 12 months to live or less according to the doctor due to his use of uh temp v i mean what is this dynamic going to look like any predictions between Right, Homelander and Ryan, his son, versus right the mother's ex-husband or mo- the mother's husband, Butcher. Like, what's going on there? Yeah, I think that the Ryan character—it's little. This seems too predictable, so I'm expecting a twist. But you know, Homelander's clearly teaching him well. Like in season two, you thought he wasn't right, pushing him off the roof. <laughs> Still, an all-time funny scene from the boys, um, and him just falling right on his uh, face. But um, he's clearly teaching him well. And he's going to be buddy-buddy, but then Homelander's going to do something or Ryan's going to realize what Homelander is. And then Butcher, before he dies, reigns Ryan in and takes care of him and makes sure he's on the right path. That's what seems like it's going to happen. I don't know if it'll be this season or it'll be season five. How long are they going to stretch out? Was it six months Butcher has to live? I don't know how long they're going to stretch this out for, but it's going to be interesting to see moving forward. He ain't dying. Butcher ain't dying. But like they could end the series like similar to like a Breaking Bad style, like like you already know what's gonna happen with Butcher. He's gonna become in the he's gonna become the thing he hates. He's gonna be shot up with a bunch of normal V. He's gonna become a regular superhero. Okay? Wolverine. Yes, yeah, so the only reason that's gonna save him from the temp V is someone's gonna shoot him up with the regular V, and he's gonna be a superhuman. I can see that too. It's gonna turn a suit. It's gonna be a soup. It's gonna become the thing he despises. Uh, we also have like the boys back together. Uh, we have uh, Starlight joining the boys. Mm. Okay, uh, this should be an interesting dynamic. It seems like she's forgiven Huey very quick for such diabolical behavior. It's kind of question. I question that a little bit, but also Starlight has that moment. <laughs> I thought this was not good. Also, it's when Starlight is facing down. Uh, I think who was she facing down? Was it Soldier Boy? And then, like, Huey's like, okay, how can I help out? Like, rather than take the 10 feet. 
let's turn up the lights. <laughs> he uh. turns up the lights. So I'm just like, that's the payoff for his character. Like he's retained. He's like, I, I need to find a way to protect you or help you. How can I do that? Let's turn up the lights to 12. So <laughs> like, I'm just like, God damn it. Like, this is where like the, it, the payoff didn't actually pay off. You know, well, it's, just, it's Huey. He's the worst character. The worst. I don't know. He's likable, dude. He's a likable guy. He was bad this season. This season, I found him very annoying. Yeah, I just not. I never been a fan of Huey. Feel for him, but never been a fan. He started off with a lot of promise this season as when he was an agent, right? Thought exactly. he was trying trying to help down track down those evil soups and everything, but uh, yeah, not working out now. Not working out very well. Trying to think of any other dynamics or characters you want oh, to discuss from the season. I was shocked, at, like no Stan Edgar. Stan yep. Edgar, uh, I have this year. Showing up. I, I was shocked not to see some sort of like, at least like a oh remember him or like oh season four or like be careful teaser. or something a teaser. Thank you. Like I was very shocked to see nothing. We literally last time we seen him was in that conference when, um the victoria newman like kicked him off like a vaught basically so very or like you know what i mean so like very interesting to see how there wasn't a teaser of bringing him back or anything because he, he like he seems to love the show too on this press tour with anthony Starr. seems like they have a good relationship there as well um just give yourself each other high praise all the time so i would be shocked if he doesn't come back next season stan agger is going to be back in yeah. a big way because vaught is in shambles Right. He'll probably have to come back. Old role. Bada bang, bada bang. Like everything that he predicted about Homelander, like taking over Vought, like it has come true. Right. He's looked after it selfishly. Okay. Uh, what's her face as the CEO has been a disaster. What's her name again? Redhead. Oh, that stinks. I don't remember. God damn it. What's her name? That's not her that was also very disgusting when she pulled off all her hair and showed she was wearing a wig in that the was finale. All time scene though, like good good Anthony Starr scene right after Black Noir, and yeah. then he calls out like you 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 F yeah. octo octopus, like that was unreal. No, he he the, he was just downright a bully in that scene. But Stan Edgar's gonna come back. The seven is down to three people, right? The seven now has Homelander, the Deep, and A Train. Nobody else. No Maeve, no Starlight, no Black Noir. Okay. And then obviously uh, Cyclone was killed at the beginning of this season. So it seems like we're the, we are literally down to three. And the Deep makes a very. So, first of all, Stan Edgar is going to have to come back. Do you think they're going to replace the seven before I go on with the Deep? Are they going to no. replace the seven? Or no more seven. So it's just going to go into what Stan Edgar originally planned with like a, this pharmaceutical type of company and working with the military. Is this idea going to come back and going to take center stage next season? I think so, but they still will have that transition phase and they'll still have these superheroes doing their thing. There's too many superheroes not to do this. I just think that the core product is going to be the pharma. And by the way, it's Ashley. 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 You know what would cross my mind? If there wasn't already an election going on, like the dissolvement, the dissolving of the seven at Vaught, and maybe think like Homelander has built such a base. He's worried about being so likable. What if like there was a season where Homelander ran for president? <laughs> like, like that'd be kind of crazy. That would be crazy. It's too bad that the Victoria uh, Newman is running for VP and probably is going to kill the, the presidential candidate so she can run for VP. Yeah, president. Very scary. And I think that's where it's going to be interesting because, like, 
Victoria Newman like screws her dad out of the head of Vought, right? As will Stan Edgars, he have like a vendetta. Is he going to try and uh, take down his daughter, right? So uh, Victoria Newman, right? His adopted daughter. It will Stan Edgar be working with the boys whatsoever, <laughs> potentially. That right? would be something. Homelander, will he even be connected with Vaught anymore? Will he be doing like things on his own due to his like his unorthodox or his like uh antagonistic relationship with Stan Edgar? Can they learn to live cohesively after like the rift they had during this season? There are a lot of questions, but I agree with you. There could have been a little bit of a teaser. There could have been like oh, like Stan Edgar like just sitting back in his chair, right? Maybe, but it's hard to tell because things are in such disarray with Homelander and what's going on with Vaught. Mm, yeah, and I think going back to the Emmy conversation for a second here, I would be shocked if Anthony Starr didn't win an Emmy like for this season. But that also reminded me because I was looking at like Disney Plus, see how they did uh, with their Emmy noms, and like Moon Knight, I was like, oh, I saw this like headline, like Moon Knight had the most noms. I was like, oh, like, like Oscar Isaac definitely like probably leading the way there. He didn't get nominated for Moon Knight. Yeah, he got nominated for uh, scenes from Marriage instead. Yeah, interesting. I, I saw the first episode of Scenes from Marriage, got so bored and turned it off. But I saw other shows were getting nominated that were in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think Falcon the Winter Soldier was nominated for something. And I think yeah, they uh, all were nominated for something. Yes. Uh, wasn't Anthony Mackier's or no, Sebastian Stan was nominated for Pam and Tommy. I was shocked. Yeah, by that. Exactly. Pam and that. Tommy was getting a lot of love. Yeah. I, I was just like, it's classic Emmys, you know, like definitely like some mistakes and also like going with the popular vote at points. They're more open to the mainstream than the Oscars. Like they're, they're very much mm. open to like, what is everybody watching right yeah, now? It's Maybe more like it's a golden Globes television. Vibe. Right. hundred percent. Um, all right. Any other comments on this season before we wrap? I think like, even though we did talk about disappointments, I do think overall this season was amazing. Like this was an amazing sh- like season of television. I did want to say also another part I really liked is Maeve. I think Maeve's arc in this season was great. Like she didn't have the screen time that she had in the first and second season, but to see her go on this journey, right? Go on this journey of sobriety and then taking on Homelander, training herself to take on Homelander and then saying like she's not a hero to Starlight, like her job, her one job is to take out Homelander. She sacrifices that selfishness in her. She says there are no real heroes. What does she do? She makes the ultimate sacrifice and takes out Soldier Boy, right? Who who extracts her powers and everything when she thinks we think she's dead. So I think it was a great great end to her. And like it's also hilarious how she turns and notices that she's gonna have to save everybody and be the hero. And she turns and just says, shit. And then does it, you know, it's a great like way to end her character on the show. Although, uh, yeah, I would assume that she's done, especially after Ashley deleted the video in the alleyway that showed that she was still alive. Remember that? Yep. And that she has no powers. Yep. Because for some reason, Soldier Boy can take those away after his experiences in Russia. But you know what? They could always just inject. We could just find compound V anywhere we want and always inject it back in. So, but she she was taking it to Homelander though, bro. Like she had that hand to hand combat, and then when Homelander's squeezing the blood out of her eye, I'm like, this is the boys. <laughs> this is the boys <laughs> right now. Like male versus female, squeezing the blood out of this girl's eye. Like that's yeah. Intense. And I will say, like any like this season had so many great moments. 
but I still would say my favorite, mo- the boys' moment is still the airplane, the airplane scene when Homelander and Maeve ditched Maeve season Homelander. one. Yeah, I still would say it's my favorite scene from the boys. Man, oh man, favorite scene in the history of the boys. You know, I love the f- this season. I'll say, I love the fight at Hero Gasm. That was an all time moment. That was good. You had uh, we. Homelander versus Soldier Boy, Butcher versus Soldier Boy versus Homelander, and Huey jumping in there naked, transporting places. Uh, I love when they kick the crap out of Stormfront at the end of season two. That's one of my favorite moments for sure. That was also good. That season two had like some crazy moments, like the reveal, the Nazi reveal, and everything. It's it's not as good as season three, I would say, but man, it's good. And Stormfront was an amazing villain. Season three was juicier because it had Soldier Boy, right? And yeah. like Storm, I wouldn't say Stormfront was the same. Like that was just like everything that was happening. Like Butcher finally finds Becca, and like all this stuff that's going on. It's just like what, like insane, like what, what, what twists and turns. This one was just like iconic moment, boom, iconic moment here, big moment. Like this means something to the whole series more so than in season two. Yeah, the plane moment though, that's definitely at least the best moment of season one. I would say, minimum. Yeah, I love that. That was like to me, like holy shit, this show is different. That's where Anthony Starr was different. I was just like, like him saying, Let's "Get out of here! Screw these people!" I was like, "Oh my god, this is what happens if superheroes actually actually existed, right? This is might happen. They like, just have the will to choose who lives, who dies, and if they give up hope." Sucks for you guys. We can't Whatever. just take one because then they'll tell everyone. <laughs> we have yeah. to leave them all. Unbelievable. Terrible, 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 terrible person. All right. That's going to do it for our recap of the boys. And that's going to do it for episode 124 of TDI. Make sure you're tuning in to our feed. Uh, earlier this week, we did our Marvel Tears and Thor Love and Thunder review, spoiler and non-spoiler style. So wherever you're listening right now, hit the follow button. Also scroll down earlier in the timeline, listen to our previous episode. Next week on TDI, we have the checkup coming back as usual. We're going to recap the best of 2022 so far. And we're also going to look ahead to the best, uh, most anticipated movies of the rest of the calendar year. Uh, yeah, make sure you're following us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, for all the major movie news. Make sure you're subscribing to the YouTube for clips from the pod or full episodes. This is Dr. Ron Ricky Flick signing off. Until next time, we will smell you.